well, an increasingly common thing sadly occurred this weekend in Toronto as another event had to be cancelled because a high-profile Christian leader fell to sin. Of course, we hear and we are increasingly hearing of people falling who are occupying important platforms for Christ. And of course, the ones we hear are the high-profile people, but they represent hundreds of other Christians who are becoming casualties to sinfulness and being taken out of the mission. Increasingly, there is, I think you'll agree with me, a discipleship crisis in the church. That Christianity is certainly, has always been under fire, but because of our connections to social media and all that's going on, we hear more and more of it. And for some reason, believers are taking a cavalier approach to their lives and not recognizing that Every day of our lives, we face a battle, a spiritual battle. We are in a war with the enemy of our souls. And the enemy of our souls is the most powerful creature in the universe. And in our own strength, we are no match at all for the power of evil that can be exerted upon us. But we are not left without help from God's Word. We are not left without help from God's Spirit and God's power. And we can win this battle, and we can continue to stand firm for Christ if we pay heed to the Scriptures. In particular, there's a section of Scripture, 10 or 11 verses that are very powerful section of, of God's Word that encapsulate in this very brief place, all that we need to stand against the battle of evil forces and to be victorious. And of course, I'm talking about the text in Ephesians chapter 6. I invite you to turn there this morning. As we take a look at our struggle and how God's word shows us that we can be more than a match to win the spiritual battle that is upon us. So if your Bibles are with you this morning, I want to direct your attention to this text as we consider the matter of spiritual battles, the matter of spiritual warfare. This text, by the way, is like a general motivating his troops. The Apostle Paul is signing off to the church at Ephesus and he is speaking for the captain of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and encouraging the troops that, that we can stand firm, that we don't have to be among the casualties, we don't have to be among those who fall, but rather we can stand firm and faithful and, and in our spiritual strength in the Lord. So verse 10 of chapter 6, finally, be strong in the Lord. I've got that underlined in my Bible, in the Lord. 
and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God, reason, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Do you see the number of alls in that verse? Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of God. Father, we thank you for the fact that this battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. But we are in this battle and we are the target of this battle. And we thank the Lord that we can be strong in the Lord, that you have given us here your battle plan for us. You tell us how we can be victorious and stand and not fall to the, to the uh, uh, barrage of the enemy. Lord, um, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm acknowledging that we know that there's a crisis in Christianity, that believers are falling And seeking, Lord, to, in, the, in living in their own strength, seeking to somehow try to navigate the Christian life and, and, and failing to recognize that the, the forces arrayed against us are greater than we can manage in our own strength by far. And that if we don't lean into the strength of the Lord, that we will fail miserably. Father, some of us are gathered here this morning, perhaps in some, um, in some way uh, having a struggle and failing to stand up to the forces of evil, Lord, and we recognize that there is a desire to, to take this church down. There's a desire to take the members of this church down, Lord, by the enemy of your kingdom. And I just pray, Father, for 
strong, the strong power of the Lord to overshadow us and for us to respond to what we are called to do in, in our responsibility in this spiritual battle. I pray, Lord, that we might not take this lightly, for if we do, we will surely fall, but that we might take this next half hour, 40 minutes or so, and devote ourselves to being equipped by the Word of God to succeed. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Beloved, there's nothing I can say to you this morning that would express the urgency I feel about these matters. And the Bible warns us so many times, you know, don't think of yourself as able in, of, in, in yourself to be able to stand and withstand the pressure mounted against those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And regardless of how strong you think you might be, some very amazing people have faced great failure in the matter of spiritual warfare. In the matter of the fact that the enemy wants to take you out of this walk with Christ. To put you on the mat, to put his foot on you and never let you up. And so I, I think we should note that when Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray, that he made, uh, in terms of choosing what any, anything that he could have chosen to teach them, he used this line as one of his crucial lines, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. I, I think a question that often we ask at a time like this is, why doesn't God, who's all-powerful, just simply take the enemy out? We wouldn't have to face this battle. Why doesn't he take them out? One of the reasons that I'm convinced that that is not, or, or one of the reasons why God does not do that is, is how I read the first line of verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord. Now, the living God could take Satan out anytime he wants to. We know that. But Satan is the, isn't the only, and the forces of evil are not the only thing that take Christians out. Our own evil desires that war in our lives do a pretty good job on their own. I think you'll all agree with me that that old nature that, that has been killed and supposedly buried keeps digging itself up and rearing its vile head. And the new man that we want to be in Christ is in this constant battle. Paul talked about it. Things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do, I don't. It was constantly, it's, it's our battle. We know that. That's not, that's not spiritual warfare. That's warfare with ourselves. And so what I see happening in, in the scriptures here is that 
the Lord God is seeking to harden us in the right way to be strong in him that we might be able not only to say no to the, the enemy of our soul, but to say no to the enemy ourselves internally and be strong in the Lord. Say no to our own wicked desires and walk firmly and strongly in the Lord. And passivity is not going to get us there. Now, in order to experience victory in the Lord in the matters of spiritual warfare, we have to do some things. That's what this text is all about. There's some things that are expected of us to do. This is not a quick deliverance idea. This is a routine every day of our lives. We have to engage in this text. It's the discipline of armoring up. The discipline of putting on certain, as a metaphor here, certain uh, pieces of armor to protect ourselves from the enemy. And the deal is that we might not fall because when we fall, depending on how the fall takes place, it may be very difficult to get back up. And we are, it says the reason um, that we might, in verse 11, here's the reason, put on the full armor of God so that reason you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word there, by the way, that's not an invasion into our lives. That's not what that word is. This word is in, in originally, is, is, the original language is methodoeus, methodeus, which is the plans, the schemes, the tricks, the, the attractive ideas that, that the evil one, by the way, who masquerades as an angel of light sometimes, tries to woo us, tries to trick us, tries to convince us that this might be more beneficial to us than serving God. We are not to fall to those schemes. You ever feel like you're being piled up upon, like somehow someone knows where you are and when you are and what will take you down and why you will be taken down? You ever feel like it's like choreographed just to you? You're like, how does, how does the world know that, that this is really a bad moment for me? This is not the right thing. Well, I think somebody does know. The enemy of our souls, by the way, has been honing his skills for thousands of years. He has been monitoring and watching human behavior. And I have worked with humans for quite a long time. And I can tell you that we're not all that complicated. We might think we're complicated. We're not all that complicated. The same kind of things we fall for every time. There's only, there's only a, a few, a ver, very simple variety of things. And Satan's already mastered all those things. And he's mastered you. He's watched your life. And he has a... A, a great company of evil helpers called demons that are at, busy at work. So if it feels like it's tailor-made for you, this, this warfare, it is tailor-made for you. So what we need to do is figure out how to be strong, which we're called to be here, to stand up to the opposition that is against us. By the way, if you weren't sure what this devil thing was all about, I want you to notice verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. People are not your real problem. So as we move our way through this particular uh, message, you don't need to look to your left or to your right because it's not there. It's, it, they aren't the problem. 
As much as we think people are the problem, people aren't the problem. Flesh and blood is not our problem. The battle isn't physical. Therefore, it can't be fought by the flesh. You can't overpower this by your own strength, by your own savvy, by your own giftedness. This battle is way above your pay grade. Notice what the battle is with. It's not flesh and blood. It's against rulers, authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This, this is way above your and my pay grade. This battle is raging in heavenly places where we have been raised up with Christ. You read throughout Ephesians where Paul teaches us that, that as we've come to know Christ, he has raised us up in the heavenlies. Positionally, we are already placed in high places with Christ. The, the enemy wants to take you down from your position in Christ, if he could. That's why regularly we're... We're mystified. We're, we're wondering, like, this is illogical. What in the world is going on around me? Have you, woke, have you woken up any days this week and just thought, this is nuts? I mean, seriously, I have. I, I'm just like, what in the world is going on? This is crazy. Here is the believer's fight against the devil. You are in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. He is not talking about delivering you. He is talking about discipling you. Why do I say that? Because the deliverer, Christ, has already defeated Satan for the believers. We now get to partner with the captain of our souls who's already won us the victory. Victory is sure for us if we are strong in the Lord, if we let up and try to lean on our own strength, we will fall flat on our face. We will fail miserably. The deliverer has already conquered Satan, and we are now participating in what is already won. Not what yet is needing to be done, but what is already done. There is a deliverance plan for those who are not believers, who are in the grips of Satan. Yes, they must be delivered out of the hands of... But you're not in the hands of Satan. I'm not in the hands of Satan. Christ already delivered us. We are now to be discipled. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You and I are the battleground. You're the battleground. Do you realize that? That's why you have to put your own armor on. That's why I have to put my own armor on. I am the battleground. You are the battleground. And your obedience will make a difference to the outcome in Christ. So I want you to notice here that there's a word that, that's called out several times, and the word is stand. It's one of the imperatives or commands. Stand. It's one of three imperatives, three, three commands in here. The other ones are be strong and put on. And put on, we're going to talk more about that next week, what putting on the new, cost, new life costuming is all about. We'll look at that next week. But this week, stand. Be committed to. 
It's about strength, about stability, about success in conflict, about success in difficulty, about success when temptation comes your way, testing comes your way, um, about success in spiritual battles, when the day of evil comes. When is the day of evil? Well, any time evil is encountered. So there's six pieces of armor that I want to quickly go through with you this morning. We don't have time to get very in-depth, but this will give you a great overview of what your costuming needs to be every day of your life. Six necessary pieces of armor in order to be strong in the Lord. You cannot afford to be without any of them. You have to have all six. And then there's a seventh issue that I want to talk about as we conclude called posture. What's the posture of our warfare? So these are all responses to God's saving work in our lives. And the first is this. Notice in verse um, 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Make it your mission to hold yourself and your life together by being truthful always. Belt yourself with truth. Now, we're going to look at the truth of God's word a little bit later in, in this, this armor, armor issue. But here, I think it's just practically talking about because you have been brought into the world of the truth about Jesus Christ, that we are called upon to be people, men and women of truth. And keep in mind that the enemy of our souls is identified as the father of lies. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a son of that father. I don't think any of you want to be a son or a daughter of the father of lies. So why would we be liars? We are called to be people who are of truth. We are called to be truthful people. We are not called to be liars. Satan wants to make you a son. He wants to, to teach you or have you uh, become a person who's shifty or deceitful or hypocritical or a, a liar. Uh, in fact, um, why is it that we would even consider lying? Lying is usually chosen for the purpose of benefiting myself. I may lie to someone to get out of something or to, to exaggerate something or to, to gain something. But it's never for the benefit of the person I'm lying to. I'm lying, and in fact, everyone is placed at risk when we lie. We are called to be people of truth. Lying will take you down. You see, the belt, the idea of a belt, of course, is to hold everything together, hold you all in. And the older you get, you know that belt becomes more and more important. You got to buckle up, buttercup, because, you know, things are starting to, to move around. And this idea of belting up the truth, this, this is the starting point of standing firm in God and not succumbing to the liar who wants to steal you away from God. So buckle yourself up every day in the truth and con commit yourself to being people of truth, even when it hurts, even when it costs. Be in the habit of telling the truth. When you do that, you know what? You don't have to remember what you said to anybody. When you lie, you have to wonder what you've been saying to people. What did I say to that guy? What did I say to that guy? You've got to cover yourself all over the place. If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said to somebody because you know you told them the truth. Second, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, then the breastplate of righteousness in place. 
breastplate goes over, um, you know, your, your chest. And uh, the purpose of a breastplate is to protect the vital organs, particularly the heart. If the heart gets killed, you die. And so guard your most vital parts by choosing God's way every time. That's what righteousness means, the right ways of God every day. That's why the, the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs in 4.23 said, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The heart is used as a metaphor in the scriptures as the place that God resides in our lives. You and I know that when our heart dies, we die. If metaphorically our heart dies, then, then we have died to, to the things of God. We have died, died to righteousness. And, and we have been called, Paul writes to the Romans, we have been called now into the relationship with Christ whereby we have received the righteousness of Christ. We have received the gift of the right ways of Christ. That's who we now are. We're people of righteousness. We're people of the right ways of God. We used to not be people like that. We used to be people of unrighteousness. It came naturally to us to not serve God. But now, now it comes natural to us, supernaturally to us, that we are people who live the right ways of God. That's how we want to live. And we are called to make sure that we guard ourselves and live that way, live a righteous way of God. Do you realize that, that right now we as the people of God are surrounded by a self-righteous stupor of a Western culture around us. Everybody making up their own righteousness, their own right ways, holding people responsible to their favorite right way that, that actually is manufactured out of hearts that are deceitfully wicked. And, and by the way, self-righteousness is, is the enemy of our salvation. It's the enemy of salvation, self-righteousness, because it is only that we turn to the righteousness of God and, and not our own self-righteousness that we can have salvation. Unless we come to the place in our lives where we realize that, that, that my ideas and my ideas of what is right and what is wrong are, are only keeping me in a, in a place of pride rather than turning over to Christ and, and, and turning my life over to Him. And so we are to guard this in our lives, guard our glorious position as declared righteous through salvation. Not a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness of Christ. Thirdly, it says after that we are to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Third point is this. Expect the day to be a battle. So be on high alert and ready. This, ready, this idea, the emphasis here is on readiness. Have shoes ready, fitted as messengers of good news of the gospel. That seems to me that at least one gender in the room is a useful illustration of shoes that are readiness for the battle. Uh, men of action, men, men tend to wear shoes that are for the battle. Women tend to wear shoes that are good for fashion. We're not talking about stilettos here today, folks. We are talking about army boots. We are talking about make sure your feet are fitted to stand firm. Lots on the ground, lots of tread. You're ready for the stony, rocky places that you might have to be walking today. 
Wherever God chooses to lead you, be ready. How are we ready? We need to be ready with the gospel. Ready that we're sure that we know what we believe and what God has done for us. The battle, by the way, beloved, is to steal your confidence in your standing with God. The the battle is to, to cause you to lose confidence in who Jesus is. To lose confidence in who you are in Christ. To lose confidence in, in, in how, how do I live or how should I live or I'm not living the way I should. The, the issue is to shake your confidence in peace with God. That's what the gospel brings us, you know. The good news is this, that you can have peace with God. And the shoes of readiness are to go out every day realizing I'm going to face a battle. But here's what I know. I know that I'm at peace with God. And secondly, when we have peace with God, we are also called to have peace with one another. That's what the gospel of reconciliation is all about. To be reconciled to the living God and be at peace with Him. And to be reconciled with one another, to be at peace with one another. To keep short accounts with each other. If I can leave my house today or tomorrow and know for sure that I'm at peace with God... And I'm at peace with all of my brothers and sisters insofar as it, it lies within, within me. I can go confident into the day. My feet are firmly planted in the peace of the gospel. And I am a, a, a trafficker of good news throughout the whole day. That's what I know good news when I put on my good news shoes. All right? Fourth, we're to take a shield of faith. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Set before your eyes, set before the eyes of your heart a shield that prevents the battle from eclipsing our vision of Christ. You know what the enemy wants to do in your life? He wants to get your eyes focused on your problems so that you aren't looking at Jesus. And when you start to look at your problems you start to become fearful and you start to feel swamped and overwhelmed and the problems threaten to take you out. Now, this shield uh, back in the day when Paul was writing was a whole body shield, not some little thing. It was a whole body shield, about four and a half feet by two and a half feet. Sorry, I can't translate that into metric for you. I'm, uh, I'm not so ambidextrous in these measurement things. But all I know is that pretty much covers a body if you're crouching a little bit. And that's the idea. But it was, it was a wooden shield, of course, that had leather stretched over it. And the leather was soaked so it was wet. So that when the enemy fired arrows that were on fire, they went into that shield and the shield put it out. Now God says to us that we are to live our lives with that shield. He's given us a shield, and that shield is him, our faith in God. He invites us to stop looking at our problems and stop looking at our trouble and look at him. The fiery darts are to, get, to distract you. They're to, they're to cause you to look at, to look at what's going on and the, 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 the frenzy that's around you. No, don't look at that. Don't look at those fiery darts. Look at God. The best example, of course, of this is our, our, our forefather, King David. Everyone, King David, before he was king, he was uh, one of the brothers of the many, uh, in a family of many, and he, was, he came to the, uh, the battleground and there was this great 
large man by the name of Goliath who was nine feet tall. I'm sorry, I can't translate that into metric. But that's big, whatever measurement you use. And remember what Goliath said to this young man, David, who was going to fight on behalf of the armies of the living God, was going to fight this champion of the Philistines. He said to David, what, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? I mean, look at me. Look at how big I am. Look at, the, look, at this, look at what I have. And David, of course, and I'm paraphrasing and moving us through very quickly, David said, look at, you come at me with a spear and a javelin. If anybody's coming with sticks, it's you. But I come in the name of the living God of the armies of Israel, whose name you have defied. David taught all of us this particular lesson of faith. It's if you look at the size of the problem, the size of the enemy, you will have your eyes off of God. If you look at God, you realize that the enemy, the problems, the troubles are small in comparison to who's on your side. Keep your eyes on God. That's the shield of faith. And then it says, of course, that not only the shield of faith which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, but take the helmet of salvation. Uh, take the helmet of salvation. Guard your mind, fifth, with the security and assurance that is meant to come with your salvation. You know, the crosshairs of the enemy are on a head kill. He wants to find a way for you to doubt your salvation by producing situations that convince you that you are really at the mercy of your own failures and fate. And deep discouragement and doubt can threaten to take you out of the battle. Where is the battlefield anyway? It's at the level of our feelings and our emotions. I wrote this down. When your heart is splayed and crushed by emotion and your feelings are threatening to take over and carry you to fright or flight or fight... You must lean into the real truth about your reality in Christ so you will be able to keep your head in all situations. 2 Timothy 4, 5. And how do we keep our head in all situations when it's really rough and when things are really against us? We know that God has promised us in Romans 8, 28, for we know that in all things God is working for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. For we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. And what can separate us from the love of God? And when we allow these realities, the realities of our salvation, what we have gained in our salvation, the love of God is upon us. We know that his care and his compassion are for us. Beloved, protect your thinking with the guarantees that you have concerning reality and destiny. Your mind, your knowledge of God must be moved to the driver's seat of the bus and your feelings and emotions must go to the back. Ask them to go to the back. In the front, driving the bus must be these truths. I know that my God loves me. I know that my God cares for me. I know that nothing can separate me from God's love. 
Because this salvation reality means this. It all ends very well for us. These momentary troubles, these momentary struggles, momentary temptations, this battle is temporary and momentary, but it all ends well for us. Put the helmet on. Guard your mind in these truths. And then it says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When the most powerful of all beings was being tempted by the most powerful of all creatures. I mean, Jesus and the battle with Satan. He won the battle using Scripture, using the sword of the Spirit. Satan wants to tempt you to doubt God's goodness, you see. And he messes around with your head. He messes around with truth turns it into untruth, how he moves things around. He tries to convince you that, that God doesn't love you or care for you. He tries to convince you that there are other ways besides God's way. And in particular, he tempts us to doubt God's goodness or his ways or his word. And what I see around us, and, and frankly, it it scares me, is the, that much of the Christian mess that we are in is because God's people are thinking, many, some of God's people are thinking that they're kinder and more compassionate than God, particularly in the matters of, of gender and sexual confusion and end-of-life issues and beginning-of-life issues. God's people are beginning to think that they're kinder and gentler and more compassionate than God. And so we launch in directions that are complete abomination to him. Central to the battle with evil is truth, objective truth, God's truth, transcultural truth. His plan, the enemy's plan today could very well be to tempt you in matters of your job, your situation, your spouse, your finances, and try to offer you a more attractive way than or appear to offer you a more attractive way than God's way. But the spiritual weapon of choice by the Son of God was the Word of God. It has a high kill ratio. It is the operating language of the most powerful being in the universe, and the evil one cannot shout it down because the Word of God stands forever. You can't knock it down. It accomplishes what God desires and achieves his purpose. So submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. That's the battle plan of the believer. God's word is truth. It can never be not true, especially because it's in connection to Jesus, the logos of God, the living word, who said, I am the truth, attaches truth to himself, his very character, he can never be not true. And it's truth that sets us free. Finally, there's a posture. In all of this, there's, so there's your, six, there's your six pieces of armor. And then Paul says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Take a knee always. 
assuming the posture of power. This is what the well-armed people do. The enemy, the Bible teaches us, is looking for soft targets. Like a lion, it says, roaming around, prowling, seeking who he can devour. This is the posture of power. The enemy seeks to hang out in murky places and unwell moments in our lives to bring our feelings into bad places, to steal and to kill and destroy, because that's what he does. I think there's a real connection between the mental health crisis that we are involved in and Satan's mischief when our mental faculties are compromised by stress and strain of life. It's then that he pounces on us like a prowling lion, pressing the final levels of weight that push us into final overload that freezes the hard drive of our lives. And some of you today might be wrestling with depression or anxiety or real struggles with mental wellness. Satan seeks to find us in an unwell moment where we are not armored up. We are not on our knees in prayer and to pounce. And the recovery from that is not without its struggles, requiring an unusual spiritual investment for recovery, prayer and fasting and help from others and armoring up, taking a commitment all over again to say, I will not ever again one day in my life step outside of my house without this armor, never. Prayer is not just a conversation, beloved, with the Lord. It is that, but it's not just that. It's an actual spiritual transaction where real power happens. Prayer is the operating system of Christianity. It's how Christianity works. It's the power-up cord. Prayerlessness leaves us vulnerable and weak. It's the rules of our engagement by being in covenant with God. We can't shortchange this. This is our connection to the divine power. I hear people say, there's, there, you know, um, there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer only because there's power in God. Only because we are connecting with God. Prayer is our connecting to God. The power is in God. It's his divine power. He has all the divine power of the universe. It's how gifts work. It's how fruit of the Spirit grows. It's how our disciplines shape us. God is at work through our active dependence on Him. All of the armor functions on the basis of our dependency in the Lord in prayer. Be strong in the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. That's the exercising of the indwelling benefits of riding shotgun with God, having actually God living inside of us. That's the amen to our prayers. It's the power of the Spirit of God connecting uh, with the Father and, and 
actually engaging us in how the scriptures function and causing the scriptures to come alive in our lives on all occasions, recognizing that God is sovereign. Hey, the same Bible that teaches us that God is in charge of everything is the scriptures that say pray, pray, pray all the time, all the time, all the time, in all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Somehow God has linked his planning of the universe with the praying of his people. We'll have to all ask him someday how that works. I just know he tells us to do that. And we can't expect the benefits of the kingdom of God unless we do. With all kinds of prayers, not just a shopping list. Jesus, give me this. Jesus, give me that. But, but the product of a deepening relationship with God that is actually deeper than just the surface asking God for a few trite things. And then being alert for all the saints, you and me. Do you realize that Calvary Baptist Church, not just because we're Calvary Baptist Church, but we are in the crosshairs of the enemy. He wants to take this church down. He wants to take every church down. He wants to take every believer down. He's the avowed enemy of the kingdom of God. And if we think that we are ever at peacetime, we are completely fooled. We are never, ever at peacetime until Christ comes back to take us. Ultimately, the Prince of Peace comes and takes us into glory with him. And then, guess what? We're at peace from then on. But for now, we're at battle. We're at war all the time. We are in the crosshairs. And here's what it says here. Pray for me and you all the time. You know why? Because sometimes I'm not praying when I should be, when I need to be. Sometimes you're not praying when you need to be. And that's why we have to pray for each other. Do not neglect to pray for one another a lot. Take a knee, beloved. Take a knee. It is the victory posture of the well-armed believer in Christ. There's no other way to win this battle, folks. This is it. There's, there's no other shortcut. There's no other different plan. This is the plan. This is how you stand up against temptation. This is how you stand up against the enemy of your soul. This is how you learn to be strong against your own evil desires. There is no other plan. There's no plan B. This is it. Master this, and you will not fall. Put it on. Put it all on. Our faith and obedience to the voice of our battle captain is promised to be rewarded in this text. Father, thank you for not keeping this a mystery from us. Thank you for telling us what we needed to hear. And I pray, oh God, that you would teach us your ways. Motivate us, Lord, in the teaching of your ways to respond willingly and obey. Let us not leave home unarmored, I pray, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen, church. It is common practice for sports journalists, particularly, to stick a mic in front of someone's face and ask them, how did you win? How did you gain that victory? What, what was the... What was the the turning point, what, what happened? Or to ask them to endorse 
sporting equipment or something of that nature. This text that we dealt with this morning is as if someone put a mic in front of Jesus' face and said, tell your people how you won the great victory against Satan. Because the truth of the matter is, the armor of the Lord is the exact same armor that the Son of God made use of when he was here among us. It is literally, according to Isaiah 11, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 57, and the expectations of Messiah, it is the, literally the putting on of God in our lives. Jesus has offered to us the very same armor that enabled him to stand against every test and against every temptation. We have every opportunity and all that's necessary to win every battle that Christ has already won for us. We just participate in the armor of our souls. So, beloved, armor up. Armor up. Six things you've got to have every day on your knees in prayer, and you will be more than a match for anything the enemy throws your way because you will be strong in the Lord. Our Father, we praise you. We thank you. You have helped us. You enable us. You empower us. You have given us what we need to win. The victory is sure. The end is good for us. So, Lord, help us to live every day in victory that we might not fall and we might stand against the schemes of the evil one and take our stand for Christ. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.